I think conversion is actually a bad thing to be good at if you want to be an entrepreneur. Because the thing is, an entrepreneur should never be an optimizer. It's different with design though. I don't think you can be a successful entrepreneur or build a successful organization without a true appreciation of design. And design to me is not pixel design, right? It's having that mindset of if the user has a problem, it's always our fault, right? So I'm, I'm fixing that. That's design to me. Hi, and welcome to the UX and Growth Podcast. I'm Jeff, I'm a UX engineer at HubSpot. And I'm Matt, and I'm a growth engineer at HubSpot. And I'm Austin, I'm a UX designer at HubSpot. So we have a special episode for you all today. We're coming to you live from Inbound 2016. This is crazy. We've got over 18,000 people here this year in Boston at the BCEC, some amazing thought leaders, and we managed to snag one of those thought leaders and get them to record a podcast with us today. So today we're joined by an amazing person. We've got uh, Dr. David Darmanin on the podcast. He's the founder and CEO of HeartJar.com. It's a free all-in-one analytics and feedback suite that's made for designers and growth practitioners. You've probably heard of it before, but if you haven't, it's worth checking out. We use it at HubSpot. We love it. Dr. Darmanin is, has over 12 years of experience in leading design and conversion for businesses that operate in 19 different languages across more than 100 different countries. And because of this, he's one of the most seasoned and respected influencers in the growth and design space. He came here all the way from the beautiful island of Malta to speak at Inbound and join us on this show. So we are extremely excited to have him on board today. Welcome. Thanks for having me, guys. I wouldn't miss this for anything. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about yourself. What's, we, got, we touched a little bit on your background there, but it's actually, you've done a lot of different things. How do you get where you are starting, starting Hotjar, doing all this crazy stuff? Yeah, the, the beginning is, like, I hate when people call me the doctor thing, right? It's, <laughs> it's, that's kind of, a lot of people think I'm a medical doctor. It's like, where, where, what's the connection? Um, it's actually a doctorate in law. Right, okay. which kind of has been useless for the better part of my life. But then when I started business with Hodger, it kind of came in to be useful because I kind of specialized in, in privacy. and So it was kind of useful. But uh -huh. when I was studying at university, um, I remember started building sites and, and doing designs for events. That was the point where I, I remember being super frustrated that I couldn't measure if what I'm building is good or not, right? So mm -hmm. I think many people have been in, in visual or tech or UX or whatever it is, even marketing, right? It's like, it's always, have I built something that is actually good or not? And how do you measure it? And I remember back then, this was the early days, right? Of anything, <laughs> growth or CRO, it was always like, is it supposed to be measured by like the client saying, that's awesome, or an award you win? And I hated that, right? So it's always been in me. Um, long story short, I, I ended up working in a software company based in Malta, a Swedish mm -hmm. company. That's where I met my four amazing co-founders. From there, I, I grew this company or was part of the growth of this company. So we, it was just the beginning of conversion rate optimization. And um, I traveled to every event I could find, used every tool I could, I could use. We used consultants from all across the world. Um, and yeah, it was a huge learning curve. And then from there, I, I was lucky enough to be invited by conversion rate experts in, in the UK to join them as a consultant. 
and they threw me in the deep end, right? Like, there's like work with some of, them, of the biggest brands ever. It was, it was interesting to see that that frustration of measuring of what I d- like did good or not was in all these teams, right? Like in the big clients and in the small ones, everyone had this, and I was frustrated by the software I was using and the tools, and I kind of felt this itch. <laughs> I wanted to scratch it, so. I spoke to these guys I had worked with, the best like UX guy, the best front end, the best back end, the best business minded guy, and we got together and like let's let's fix this for ourselves. So we are all atypical like hot jar consumers. So we're I would say we're really, really lucky to be able to kind of be building something that we would use. So mm. yeah. Very interesting. Now you talk about building something that you would use, right? And uh this is something that I'm actually seeing come up a lot more in entrepreneurship where it's like, you know, so many uh, ideas have been done. And, and, you know, of course, we always say, like, get to know your user, get to know your customer and all that stuff, work outside of yourself. But in what ways has kind of taking that a little bit more, you know, like personal approach to building the product? Like, how has that affected the way that you make decisions in, in terms of like what you build in your product, what your roadmap is? How you're thinking about that? That's a good question, right? Because it has its pros and it has its cons, right? Because the thing is, there's a limit to how much I know what people want, but I know kind of what the, the product should be. And this is kind of one of the biggest challenge with kind of product management in general and road mapping. Like, how much do you listen to your users and how much do you follow your vision and what you want the product mm-hmm. to be? So I think so far we've done a good job of finding the right balance like I have a very specific vision that I have which might be good or might be bad the only positive about it is it's different (laughs) so that's the most important thing because you briefly mentioned there's so many people doing stuff right so I think you need to do something you believe in I think it has to be different there has to be a purpose behind it but then you need to listen to your users so so the way we work at Hotjar like we we literally, like, if we have a conversation with a user, we go in and tag it and add it to a Trello board and it gets grouped up with all the others. So then the team can say, David, we need to do this. I was like, okay, that fits into my vision. It's not departing from it. So we should do that and we prioritize it. But it always ties back to where, like, what we see the, the kind of vision being. Gotcha. Uh, just out of curiosity, how long did it take your team to fully adopt your own tools that you were building? Did you start from the very beginning and kind of eat your own dog food at the very beginning? Or was were you kind of going half and half for a while? What, what did that look like? We did it from the very beginning. So we were using it actually before it was even available. So, <laughs> Which is horrible, right? Because we were using a shitty survey yeah. tool <laughs> to collect insights from our, from our users. So, But I always insist that we use our own tools. Um, which is kind of good and bad. Again, like I just recently heard that Google actually insists that their users don't use their tools, yeah. which is kind of interesting. I, I didn't know that. So, so we might start doing things differently in the future. Um, but yeah, just because we had such an iterative way of approaching it, so we, we decided we would always use our own tools. Um, and, and obviously that, that kind of, as you said, makes, gives us the pain. The user's pain becomes our pain. Yeah. Mm. So I noticed something interesting about your background, which is that for basically your entire career outside of law, (laughs) you've been at the intersection of three things, design, conversion, and entrepreneurship. Now, I think 
a lot of people don't recognize the inherent relationship between those three things, but it seems to be something that you've reinforced through multiple different ways and everything that you've done. Why do you feel it's important to, to work across design and, and conversion, especially? Like, what's that relationship? How do you think about that? So first things first, I think conversion is actually a bad thing to be good at if you want to be an entrepreneur. <laughs> I, I like that statement a lot. Because yeah. the thing is, an entrepreneur should never be an optimizer. You, you, you should be a product person that like ships, right? That gets stuff out there, value. And conversion is a different mindset. It's like taking what there is and making it like, well, at least the traditional understanding of conversion, right? So it's a, I'm not saying it's, it's, it's a bad thing. Like it, it, it can be a negative and it can kind of put you thinking in the wrong way. And that happens to me a lot. So I need to kind of disconnect a lot and say, I know that there is the benefit of optimizing here, but maybe like getting something out the door and fixing that is much more important. So it's so frustrating for me to be building Hotjar and knowing it's so un unoptimized. But that's, it's like you have to kind of just appreciate that. It's different with design though. I don't think you can be a successful entrepreneur or build a successful organization without a true appreciation of design. And design to me is not pixel design, right? It's the understanding of how to build an intuitive, simple, like it's nearly like the product is anticipating your needs. Like design is that, it's solving for those problems. It's having that mindset of if the user has a problem, it's always our fault, right? So I'm, mm. I'm fixing that, that's design mm -hmm. to me. Yeah. So if you have that background, that's super powerful. Mm -hmm. So another interesting thing that we were just briefly talking about right before we started recording, uh, we tend to be really bad about that, is <laughs> you were saying that there needs to be a balance between being metrics-driven and also being gut-driven, which it sounds like is kind of related to a little bit of what you're talking about with, with design and CRO and the differences between them. Uh, I'm just kind of curious to pick your brain a little bit about that. I love that you asked that question because sure. I brought that up in my session today. And I said, like, the big problem I have with conversion rate optimization is that many people see split testing as kind of the solution. You know what I mean? It's like we say, let's do split testing to find a better way of doing it. And they say they see the test as being kind of the, the tool. But testing is not a tool. And it's confusing because there are tools out there that do testing. But it's not a tool. It's just a method of measurement, right? So ideally... The best way to look at it is like, imagine it's a measuring cup. If you want to like cook like a really awesome dish, you're not going to take the measuring cup and just randomly fill it with shit and just see like what's the <laughs> best combo, right? <laughs> yeah, right. right? You, you're going to have a plan, but then you're going to measure it and make sure and that's how you're going to test that it kind of came out correctly, right? It's like one of the worst scientific comparisons in, in the history of CRO, but it just gives you an idea. So. So to answer your question, I think the best way of looking at it is you need to have gut might equal vision or like your way of doing things. But testing or CRO is kind of a way of measuring that you're just basically not fucking up your business. So you're doing things right. So our philosophy at Hotjar is that a split test that within over a period of time where we've established is the, the right sample size period with no loss is good news to us. So we're not reliant mm. on a big win. 
Why? Because the changes we're making, we know are what the user wants or the organization needs to deliver value to the user. So even if there's no win on any metric, as long as there's no loss, we're happy because we're moving towards the right North Star. That is so interesting. It's really refreshing to hear that because uh, it's, it's interesting because you Hutchar is an analytics tool, right? And so I almost expected your stance to be that on that to be, you need to be very metrics driven, right? But what you're saying is a lot more like on par with what actually drives results, right? And then I'm also thinking about like your analytics tool with the heat mapping, right? It's like you can see that someone has clicked this CTA more than this other, you know, but you don't necessarily know that that is leading to the user's success or that they're not clicking it for some reason that you don't expect. It's kind of like the correlation versus causation issue, right? So you need to kind of uh, interpret that data in a responsible way and be looking to answer the questions of why. Uh, so I'm also definitely curious, like, is that uh, kind of like the world in which you see uh, like your tools being used? Yeah, in an ideal world, the world would be one where each organization has a North Star, like we use the North Star, like what mm-hmm. is your growth strategy? What are you trying to do? Who are you and where are you trying to go? Mm-hmm. And then your testing program and the changes and the stuff you do are all in that direction, right? So then you don't need to obsess too much about rates and metrics. Those are, again, the indicators of whether you're not screwing up, more importantly, and you're getting there quick enough. So I've worked in an organization, unfortunately, where we focused completely on optimization and metrics. And the problem is that when you do that, there is a risk of building a product that converts like crazy, but very quickly loses resonance with the users, right? And you're, you're just optimizing for the wrong reasons. Because in essence, there is no metric that can be measured that says you're on the right path and you're doing the right thing. If there was that, then we'd optimize for that, right? So I think it's always about finding ways to make the metrics indicate that you're on the right track to to the North Star. And and this is all blah, 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 right? I think it's better to give an example. So how does that translate to Hotjar? So... With Hotjar, we don't obsess, obsess too much about like rates, like conversion rate. But obviously, we are concerned more about conversion from like a bigger picture. Like I, this sounds crazy, right? From a CRO guy saying this. But <laughs> what if we thought about conversion in a different way, like, like a religious way? So instead of converting, just limiting ourselves to think of converting people on the site, how do we convert more of the market of the industry to our religion, right? Mm, mm-hmm. So it's, it's, we need to think bigger. Like in Hotjar, we think, how do we make more people like, happy with Hotjar, want Hotjar, and get value out of Hotjar? Yeah. So it's a much bigger discussion than just what should the button be on the page or how big a discount should we give, right? So to us, it's more thinking about these are the biggest issues our users have. These are the biggest challenges they have in their job every day. And here's how we're changing the site to reflect that. And at the end of the day, that's going to make more people come to Hotjar. Right. So it's the... Are you doing any kind of uh, philosophy setting as part of your strategy to prompt people to think about using your tools in this way? That's a good question. We had a, quick, we had a big debate because we, we have a vision... Right, and then we have like an ethos. We even have like our cultural values and stuff. 
But early on, we said, we're not going to communicate the vision too much. Like, we're not going to say, we want to do this and do that, because we're worried that our users will say, well, I don't give a shit, kind of, right, about your vision. So what we've decided to do is we have a vision, and that kind of drives what we do. But then with regards to our users and customers, we're focusing on positioning. So it's more, what do we mean to them? Now, obviously, this all sounds quite fluffy, right? So there are still metrics that you can have to measure this stuff. Um, in fact, I, I speak a lot about growth strategy. This is where the whole North Star thing comes from, right? I'm sounding super philosophical now, but anyway. <laughs> um, so there's four levers that I talk about in this growth strategy thing. Um, and one, for conversion, I actually talk about, like, we can't sit here and say, how do we improve conversions? right like you, you can't, it's not a driver it's a result so the driver of conversion in my opinion is demand right why because if there's no demand i can do like these simple hacks and stuff on a page to just boost conversion rate but that's kind of going to drop right it's like it's it's not true like real boost of 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 conversion so what I found, which is interesting, working with the biggest brands, the brands that are like are really creating something people want, their conversions are just through the roof, and they don't need to stay worrying about like button, like borderline, and <laughs> all this stuff, right? So, I think the whole demand thing is really interesting, and and one one great tool to use is Google um, Trends. So you can look at like brand search volume. So it's interesting to look at, for example, HubSpot or Hotjar, or, and you can see how that is trending, and then you compare that to your competitors. Mm. And that's where you kind of are monitoring religions, right? Who's winning in the religion <laughs> race? Yeah. And then you, you can segment that by country. You can see where you're strong or where you're, you're low in demand. So we do that a lot. Yeah. Um, and then another thing we do is, obviously, we mentioned before this, we, 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 you talked about delight, Austin. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we have another word for that. We call that Wow. Mm-hmm. So and, and we still use HipChat, but anyway, we have a channel. <laughs> we have a HipChat in, in uh, sorry, we have a channel in HipChat which is called Wow Only. Mm-hmm. So anyone who manages to capture a wow, whether it's customer success or whatever, can report it in there and kind of claim their wow moment. So a metric you can use to measure that is NPS. So net promoter score. You ask your users how likely are you to recommend us, and it really works. And then you can benchmark yourself. So my point is. There are metrics out there, but they're probably not the ones you think. It's not like bounce rate and like, these are kind of, again, more results, but it's, it's less the driver. Um, something like demand, for example, um, it's, it feels more abstract than something that's easier to wrap your head around, like conversion rate. Do you think that um, maybe the, the reason that people don't go for that right away is because they don't really understand the scope of it or it's not it's not as easy or it's like not as 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 you can't touch it you know what i mean it's like a little bit bigger than you at first or at least it seems like harder to get into or something like that it is it it, at the end of the day requires taking like taking a big step back right and really seeing the big picture because the thing is i can have a 40 percent conversion rate but only have 200 customers and no traffic but my competitor can have a 20% conversion rate, but I have 16,000 customers, and you know what I mean? Now, obviously, in the race to getting there, the better your conversion rate, the better that's, gonna, that's like an impact on the return on investment of doing 
any form of advertising or, or your inbound or the cost of content production. But that's just one small piece of the yeah. puzzle. So it's not saying that conversion rate optimization is bad. It's maybe not something you should be focusing on a large percentage of the time. Or like you should you should feel out when it's appropriate to do something. I like think that. it has to be done with the right mindset. Yeah. I think this, that's the key thing. This I'm, is a really... The, Matt and I were talking a little bit about this earlier and we were thinking like, you know, HubSpot's getting into freemium right now. So we're really fascinated around like how does freemium work and, and everything like that, which is, of course, you know, so many brands are, are doing really well at it, Hotjar being one of them. And last night I was at a seaport party here, um, which is basically, if you've never been to Inbound, we, we like buy entire bars for a night <laughs> and just everybody comes and drinks and everything. And it's a great way to meet people. And I had two guys come up to me that were like, they recognized uh, me from this podcast actually. And they were like, hey man, we're from Dropbox. Like we, we work on the Dropbox growth team. We want to talk about growth with you. And I'm like, dude, I want to talk about growth with you. <laughs> and so we got to talking about like the, the Dropbox method for like how, like how they do freemium because they're probably one of the best brands in the world at it. And they were saying that they will target everybody basically they're like we we have a ton of users that we know are never going to pay they're never going to turn into an enterprise account or anything like that in fact they're not even going to use the product the way that we intend but when we have all of these all of these people using this product first off we're getting a ton of data from them and we can like segment them down sell them very intelligently but also everybody knows about our product and it becomes like this household brand and everything and there you uh, go demand yes demand exactly and, and i was thinking like you know my, my mom has never heard of Box before, but she has heard of Dropbox. In fact, she uses it. She'll never become a paying customer, but it's amazing how many people know about the product. Now, if you looked at Dropbox's upsell rate or their conversion rate or whatever, these metrics that are basically just like, how many people did you put into the funnel and how many people did you get to pay, their metrics would probably be pretty bad. But if you look at the total amount of people that are paying for Dropbox, it's huge and they're blowing away all of their customers. I think that that's a very intelligent way to think about conversion. And a big question that I have in there, which I think I'm not entirely sure if it's an easy question or a hard question, is how do you make the decision to go for a very wide base and have a low conversion rate, or go for a very focused base market very specifically and have a very high conversion rate? That's a very good question. And it's really directly proportional to the size of the market and the price you can charge. So it's like these, they're levers that when you move one, they all the other move, right? So. If there is a huge market available to you, then that's where it makes sense to do freemium, low pricing, because that's where you do the whole land and grab, like just take over the whole market. But if it's a niche product that's complex and you're selling it to, like it's a complex sale and there aren't that many customers, then obviously doing that would be insane. Mm. So it all depends who you're selling too, right? This is the classic thing where it's like there's no single formula to right. growth, no single formula to conversion. This, along these lines, something that I've been thinking about, especially earlier when when we were talking about design and um, you know how that how you like you were saying, uh, you know, like we use conversion as as an indicator to show we're not completely like killing things, but then ultimately beyond that, like everything that we look for in our, our north star and what we want to build, it's design and UX focused. I think that that's like ama an amazing way to think about this and it has to come or the, at least the easiest way to do it is when it comes from 
a charismatic, intelligent, design-driven founder <laughs> like yourself, right? But you know, there are a lot of companies that don't really value design, you know, and they're very metrics or conversion driven. And I have a lot of designers come up to me and they're like, hey man, you know, our site or our, our product actually converts really well, you know, whether it be like on a website or a con an internal conversion in the product, but it's ugly as hell, you know? And my, so, so imagine if you've got a designer that's working at a company that has an ugly website that's per performing from a metrics perspective very well, uh, and their leaders only speak in terms of metrics and numbers. That's a lot the case a lot of the time. Maybe they're conversion-focused leaders, whatever. How could a designer state the case, perhaps using metrics, perhaps not, for a better-looking design, a better-looking brand, a, a design that is more like where the aesthetics can aid more in the function and they can be higher quality. Is there a way to do that through metrics? That's a very good question, right? Like that's the holy grail. Mm -hmm. And there's a big debate about this and even I'm torn about it. Like where is this fine line between aesthetics and like functionality and how much weight should we give? I believe though that there are more companies that go too extreme and giving too much importance to aesthetics. And then there are some that just don't get it. But I, I cannot tell you how many times I've worked with a client and they were working on a project called Project Slick. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like it's like the most common thing ever. Um, and that's kind, of, that's kind of the wrong way of doing it, right? So I honestly think that there needs to be some DNA in the organization where you appreciate something that kind of looks good in the sense that it, it, it helps the function, right? You can't, in my opinion, focus too much only on the aesthetics though, right? Mm -hmm. Because then then you're kind of losing the balance and you're starting to, to build and do stuff that drives no value to your users. So I think the first question that I would ask back to the designer who said that would be, is it subjectively to you ugly? Mm. Or are your users saying it's mm. ugly? Right, because mm -hmm. that's that's one. Because most, I'd say, ninety percent of designers would say the company they're working with is, is ugly. You know what I mean? So it's really important as designers we have the responsibility to put context and empathize with our users. So I think it's it's good for the designer to first dig in and really understand how it's used and in what way, and then to establish whether aesthetics can help. Sort of pivoting from that. Sure. The analytics space. It's super crowded, right? You've got big players like Google Analytics, mixed panel, very niche, you know, custom implementation. Now doing this stuff where it's like, okay, you can literally track everything. Now. Omniture, you know, more enterprise stuff. What made you want to enter the analytics space? Like, what did, what do you feel you're doing fundamentally different? Yeah, I think. It's, it's again from this background of I, I am analytical in the sense that I've always had this frustration as I said of is what I kind of built working is it good but then as I've always been frustrated by these tools that kind of say a lot but don't say nothing like I love Google Analytics but it's so easy to go in there and you see the what like what are people doing but then like equally what the hell do I do now you know yeah I mean? there's so, no why yeah yeah so the answer to the question is, I wanted to build something that does the what and the why together. 
there aren't that many analytics tools that are focused on that. And again, it's maybe born out of the fact that I've I've been so frustrated by joining teams that would could tell you how to slice the conversion rate by Germany and and Ireland and like segments and everything. And then I ask them, okay, so what are we going to do with that data? They're like, I don't know. So you're looking for actionable, actionable, analytics. visual, like something yeah. that you you have proof. You can go to your boss, you can go to the hippo, the client, and say, this is what's happening. This is how it's being used. Let's make it better. Like. I don't want to hear analytics and numbers. And I think the winners of the future, like I speak a lot about what's called the rise of the user, right? I think we're entering this stage where, like, we, we, if you look at the evolution of marketing, it's quite interesting, right? From the snake oil salesman, right, to the customer advocate. Like, what, where are we going? Like, all those different stages. I think the future is like the the age of the connected user, right? So it's where. I'm going to use something because you guys said, wow, this is awesome, right? And, and, and these guys did something. So it all comes back to that. So I think it's super important that there is, like, there is no time to look at data that is, like, there's n the, the timeline, especially compared to competitors, there's no time to stay getting lost in analytics and doing complicated stuff. You need to be really fast, reactive, understand how people are using the tool and, and adapt really quickly to that. Yeah. What's... What's your, this is such a layup question, what's, what's your favorite feature that you have been working on or have had in the product so far? Oh, that's a difficult question. <laughs> it's like choosing your Top favorite five. child. <laughs> um, I love recordings, as in the empathy there is just, just fantastic. It's, it's a wow, it's a fun thing to use, but... Um, Ironically, my favorite thing is the most unsexy of them all. It's like the questions part. It's asking the questions. Uh, and right now we're starting to do some really interesting things because we, we, we preach a lot. Don't ask like checklist and radio button questions. Like ask open-ended questions. So now we're starting to do some interesting things to make it easier for our users to kind of analyze that and do some predictive machine learning to find patterns and stuff. So that's kind of where I really start getting excited now. Yeah. That's... Um so with open-ended, I imagine that that makes it uh, even more difficult to like crack that machine learning piece, right? Of course, yeah. yeah, yeah, and it is very difficult and dangerous to do, like, because you can have a lot of false positives. Yeah. But it's fun. It's it's kind of fun. I think nothing is more rewarding than asking your users questions, getting to know them, get on the phone, get on Skype, interview them, go to conferences to meet them, yeah. and then all of a sudden you have this aha moment, you know, like damn that's why the analytics is showing that and you connect those two pieces and then you go back to the office and you change it on that that's like the most exciting part to me that that's what's fun yeah so you talked a lot about some of the metrics that you look at at hotjar around like driving demand and how you think about you know uh your nps score and everything like that very intelligent ways to think about it, i think beyond that do you think that it's possible to really quantify the performance of a design, especially like the Hotjar in a lot of ways is, is a visual tool with like heat mapping and the, the recordings and everything like that. And of course, it bleeds into like conversion and, and the, the specific metrics and uh, usability and everything. But for like, you know, that, that aesthetic side of things, do you think it's possible to quantify 
the aesthetics of a design or is that still something that we haven't achieved? I think if we're focusing completely on aesthetics, I think NPS, so the likelihood of you recommending, and I wouldn't confuse this with satisfaction, right? We're not asking, are you satisfied? Because someone might be satisfied, but they'll churn or not recommend you. So to me, the ultimate measure is NPS. Like, how likely are you to recommend me? Recommend the tool. So I think NPS is a great indicator from an aesthetic point of view. But at Hotjar, like the third metric that we look at, because there's four and all, is we look at usage. So good design to us equals usage. Ah. So deep, consistent return usage. So we look at a couple of different things. So we look at addiction. So as we said before, addiction would be how many times like, do they continue using it? Um, and then we also look at like repeat use. So there's multiple like cohorts. So to us, design should solve for that. Yeah. Do you have some kind of like um, some kind of like time indication for that addiction metric, where they have to come back like X times within one week? How do you how do you split that up? That's a very good question. We struggled with that, right? Like, how do we what what's good and what's bad? And I think it varies a lot by the type of tool you have, right? So our our brand promise that we have internally is we want to get to a point where we can deliver weekly insights and you can set that up in 30 minutes. So because of that brand promise, we're measuring for weekly return usage and we still have a lot to, to improve there. And it's based on the notion of our biggest two users are marketers and designers and we work in weekly cycles, right? It's not going to be monthly. So if it's iterative, it should be weekly. So we should be a weekly used tool. So that's what we're working towards. We're very far away. <laughs> David, it has been awesome having Same you here. on the show. We've had such a great time talking. I think there's actually much more for us to discuss. I have so many more questions, but we're actually running out of time. So where can our listeners find you? Where, where's the best places for them to engage with your product and with you? So, yeah, so they can find me on Twitter at, at David Darmanin. It's not exactly the easiest thing to spell, so good luck with that. I'll have that in the talk or the uh, podcast description. Awesome. And then with regards to connecting with us as Hotjar, obviously you can create an account and it, like we have in-product chat and I'm, I'm actually in there. Um, but I'd say more importantly, if you want to take more from this kind of, because today we talk more high level, right? If you want to talk a little bit lower level and high, kind of, the tactical things that affect how you do, like uh, growth, conversion stuff, then just um, search for uh, Hotjar Action Plan. Um, and it's basically, I wrote a nine-step action plan. You don't have to use Hotjar, so you can use any other tool. Uh -huh. uh, but it's basically the nine things like we do ourselves and anyone should be doing to kind of uncover those opportunities for improvement and growth. That's excellent. I'll put that all in the description for this show. Awesome. And if you would like to talk to us for some reason, <laughs> we, we do have an email address. Yeah, we've got one. I'm here. <laughs> uh, we have an email address. Uh, it's hello at uxandgrowth.com. Uh, also, all of us are on Twitter as well, and you can find our information um, on the website. And is there anything else you guys want to add before we go? We, we're on iTunes, and we like reviews. <laughs> 
So Come on, guys, you... these guys need reviews. <laughs> I'm gonna review. Honestly, this has been a really smart chat. I really enjoyed it. Oh, thank awesome you. questions, and yeah, I hope we're gonna do this again. We should choose a specific topic and go even deeper next yeah. time. Yeah, I'm really excited for that. I hope we do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We are on iTunes. We do like reviews. That is a fact. We have a SoundCloud. Um, you should follow that as well if you're not a big fan of iTunes for some reason. Um, and thank you so much for listening. Have a great rest of your day.